would turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. You might want to put a little marker or something in there. We'll uh, break away from 1 Peter for a moment or two here in the message, and then we'll come back to, to it. Some time ago, a few years back when I was still employed with uh, FedEx Freight driving trucks, one of our fellow employees, his son worked for us. Uh, I believe it was on the uh, afternoon shift or something like that. He was on his way to work on his motorcycle and the Lord took him out of this world in an accident with another semi. I remember Remember how brokenhearted I was looking at his dad and seeing the pain of losing a loved one like that. One moment, everything was fine. He'd see his son come to work. He was so proud of how hard he was trying. And the next year he was just gone. He was taken from this world. As far as I knew, his dad had no no understanding of the truth of who God is. I don't know much about what his religion was. He may not have had any. We all have a religion of some kind, don't we? We all know that death coming for us. We all know, we all knew even when before the Lord called us out of darkness what death was, was about. Men know that they have sinned against God. I know there's some who say, I don't believe in God. But those are few. Those are so few. Think about how many religions there are in the world. You know why there's so many religions? Because everybody's trying to make appeasement with God. Men know what we are before God. We know we're sinners. Well, some of us don't think we're that bad and that we don't deserve what the wrath of God is, but we know. We know. Somewhere right close to that moment when, that time when that man's son was taken out of this world, one of our sisters died. And it was, it was heartbreaking then too, but I'm going to try to bring to you this morning the difference between those who know the Lord, those who know the truth of who God is, creator of everything. Nothing can be overpowering he who is God. All power in heaven and earth belong to him. And scriptures tell us that it all belongs to his son, the Lord Jesus. 
scriptures tell us that if we are to worship God the Father, we must worship God the Son. Scriptures tell us that he is the one who's sitting on the throne, working all things out according to the counsel of his goodwill. I want to talk to you this morning about a hope that God's people have. That poor man had no hope for his son. He, he, he knew his son was a sinner. We all know that we're sinners, as I brought, pointed out a moment ago. But yet, he had no hope of where his son was now at the, at, after the accident. Not only was he torn of the heart, missing his son, knowing that his son would no longer be here on this earth, he had no idea where his son was. You know, the world loves to say, when people die, they love to say things like this, oh, they're in such a better place. Are they? I asked this question at a funeral once. I didn't think anybody there cared about the truth of God. I knew the the, the sister of the man that, had, that we were there to uh, uh, have the, the services for, I knew that she was a free will Christian, that she believed that her salvation was accomplished when she made a decision to follow after Christ. And that's wrong. Our Lord says it's not of him that willeth, it's not your free will. Or him that runneth, it's not your works, the good things that you do in life, but of God that showeth mercy. She had no idea of that. And as far as I knew, nobody else did either. And I brought up in that message the hope that God's people have. And what is our hope? Is that that person may be in Christ and in Christ alone. Their hope was that he was in a better place just because he was a nice guy. And I told them that. I said, that's where your hope is. Am I wrong? I don't know of anybody nicer than Arlie uh, Valdon who walks this earth. He was just one of the nicest guys there could be. But that's not where my hope was. My hope was in Christ. I knew that Arlie had lived here for a short period of time before he moved in to the house or the, the, the residence down there. And so I shared with him, I said, I said, while he was living here, he heard the word of God. You can't live in my house and not hear about who God is. You cannot live in my house. You can't stay and spend any time with me and not hear something about who God is. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out on a long limb and say that's pretty much probably pretty true of all of you. Everyone around you knows that you have a God who rules everything. Because if he does in your heart, you're saying it quite often. Well, my Lord's ruling over that. I'm not going to worry about that stuff going on down there in Texas. God's got a handle on that. People hear us say that. They may not respond to us, but they hear us. When we declare our God rules, they may even get mad about it. What do you mean God's in control of that? You mean to tell me that God brought those airplanes against those buildings in 9-11? Yes, he did. 
And we don't hide that, do we? Where was my hope that day? My hope was that Christ had done a work in that man's heart. Did he? I don't know. I can't tell your heart. But I know he heard. With that, without at least with the ears of the of the flesh. Whether they whether God did anything with them to his heart, that's between God and him. I know this. God can save a man or a woman at the very last minute. That's what he did with the thief on the cross. A lively hope. A good hope. What was the difference that I witnessed most about these two events that happened in the closing of each of time for those for those two people? In one, I saw the desperation of a father who knew not where his son was, and in the other, I saw the joy of a husband. Don't get me wrong, I I saw him cry. I I, I saw his heart broken. That his wife of 65 years was gone. But I also heard him say, praise the Lord, that's where she is now. With God. How did he know? Because she had heard the truth. We were talking, uh, we, we broke away from Hebrews for just a moment in our, in our Bible studies and I went to Thessalonians. Paul was praising the Thessalonians for their faith in God. He called them brethren. He called them the elect of God because they declared the truths of God. To the best of Paul's ability as man in the flesh, he could see that they believed God. They weren't chasing after some other doctrines. They were going after the God of Scriptures. They laid all their trust in what he had done and had none in themselves. This man cried for his wife of marriage of 65 years, but he praised God for what God had done in her heart. I praise my God for what he's done in this woman's heart. I praise my Lord for what he's done in your hearts. When I first started preaching, I couldn't understand why any of you folks kept coming back. <laughs> I still wonder at times. I still wonder. Last Sunday, I was very low and desperate in spirit over being a preacher. Somehow God just spoke to the hearts of his people here. And as you folks left, you let me know that. There's a huge difference between God's people and those who have no idea who he is. Those who think they have a peace, but that peace depends upon them. 
You see, our peace doesn't depend on anything we do. Our peace is in him and him alone. It's in his precious blood that was shed on that cross over 2,000 years ago and that blood alone. It's not mixed with anything we do. It's his blood and love alone for us that gives us that hope. That hope that you, that you, that you, that you, that you, that you will be with our Father when your time comes. First Thessalonians 4.13, we read these words, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others, which have no hope. The people of God have a hope and a joy that our loved ones have gone on into the next life and are with the Creator. We know Him as the Creator, the Creator and Sovereign Ruler of all things. We have this hope that our loved ones are this, this one that has professed God as we have to be standing in the presence of God in eternal bliss with no more pain and no more tears, basking in the beauty of the sovereign ruler of all that is. What is this hope that some have and others don't? Well, you've got to begin with this, because this is where the beginning it starts with all things. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Arlie was one of the nicest guys I've ever known, but he too was a sinner as much as anybody else. My grandmother, I never knew anything bad about her. I was never shared anything about her life. You know, I was, I was, I, was, <laughs> I think it was my daughter uh, was talking on Facebook or something, I don't know, it was pasted somewhere where she had remembered what my mom had told her about her teenage years. And it astounded my daughter at what kind of person my mom was. <laughs> I've never heard anything about my grandmother that way, so in my eyes, my grandmother is perfect. And there's nothing wrong with her at all. She's never done anything wrong. That's just in my eyes. But in God's eyes, we're all sinners. And that's where we have to start. That's where we have to start. The difference between the hope that we have and the hope that the world has is that we know there's nothing in us of any worth to God. There's nothing in this flesh that can bring any pleasure to God's eyes. I've sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all earned the wrath of God. We all come into this world speaking lies. That's what scripture tells us. Listen to 1 John 1 verse 18. For if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. You say, well, I've never said I, I don't have any sin. You know, folks, folks do say that. For 40 years, I said that. <gasps> what? You were religious? No. No, I couldn't wait to get out of going to church. But I didn't think of myself as a sinner. 
Did you think of yourself as a true sinner, a bona fide sinner, before God came to you and showed you? Oh, we did a couple things wrong, didn't we? We made sowed a few wild oats, told a lie or two here and there, but we weren't, you know, we didn't kill anybody, right? At least not that we're admitting to anybody. You have to know, you have to know what you are before God before you can have a true hope in the true and living God. If all have sinned and come against the Creator, what is their just reward? It's death. It's our death. That would be our just reward. Our destruction. God must put away sin. He must put it away out of His sight. He cannot be in His presence. Separation from God is our just reward. The God of all creation is holy. He cannot even look upon sin. When Adam fell in sin, he was cast out of the garden. That's what we've been, that is what has happened to you and I. We've been cast out of that garden. We came into this world in the wilderness of death, in the valley of the shadow of death. Yet there in that terrible event, when Adam sinned against God, God provided a way to reconcile men. Here's the hope. Here's the difference. Here's the hope that we have. God provided a way to reconcile you and I to him. He didn't take any chances. There's no such thing as chance with God. He didn't put it out there as a maybe. There's no such thing as maybe with God. Everything of God is yea and amen, true. That way of reconciliation is through his son, the Lord Jesus. It's through the lamb slain covering the sinful flesh of man. It's a picture. The picture is of a sacrifice of blood that was shed, of substitution, of redemption. Scripture tells us there is no remission of sin without blood, without the shedding of blood. So our substitute is one who has the power and the authority to reconcile his people unto himself. He knew no sin and was made to be sin, was made to be our sin, that some, that us, would be made the righteousness of God in him. That's our hope. That's our good hope. That's our lively hope. We call him Jesus, for he shall save his people. Isn't that what the scripture tells us? This is the difference between the people of God and the rest of the world, our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. We have no confidence in this flesh. Are you with me in 1 Peter? Look here at verse 1 with me if you would. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers. That's God's people. That's a trans that could be translated to God's people, those who are strangers to the world. Scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. 
he addresses them as strangers. We're strangers in this world. This world is not our home. Scriptures talk about God's people as being sojourners. That's what Abraham was. He had no home. He was a sojourner through the wilderness. The Lord said, leave your home behind. Leave the, the world of Canaan, the world of idol worshipers. Leave that behind and go where I will tell you. Well, where is that, Lord? I'll tell you when. It's time. And he said, okay, and he went. He was a sojourner, living in tents. Our roots, folks, are in heaven. Our names were written in the Lamb's book of life before the world began. Our place is in heaven, and, and it's, been there, it's been made for us. Our names are inscribed in the, psalm of, in the palms of our Savior. And then the, Peter goes on to clarify this in verse 2. Look at verse 2 with me. He says, elect, elect. I want to take you to a couple of places. Have you marked 1 Peter? We'll come back to it in just a second here. Uh, turn over to, let's go over to Isaiah 45 first. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, mine, what does that say? Elect. The world hates election. They hate to, they hate to hear that God chose who he was going to save. They would rather have it. Well, that's not fair. It, it's only fair if you let me choose. It's only fair if you let me decide that, that you're going to save me. It's only fair if you've done the works and I get to add some of mine to it. It's only fair if you allow me to have power over what you've done. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, mine elect, I have even called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee, thou, though thou hast not known me. Look at another one, if you would, over in Isaiah. Isaiah 65, verse 9. And I will bring forth a seed out of Jacob and out of Judah, an inheritor of my mountains. And mine elect shall inherit it, and my servants shall dwell there. Peter is clarifying that back in our text, that God has chosen a people. He says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification. That means through setting apart. That means through making holy of the Spirit. See who did the work there? We were elect. We were chosen of God, called of God, by the foreknowledge of God the Father through the setting apart, through the making holy of the Spirit unto obedience and the sprinkling. Now look at who's all the work here. Do you see this in the, script, in the scripture here? This is where our hope is, folks. It's not in something you and I have done, but it's in this very thing here. The great trinity, God the Father, God the Spirit, and here we see God the Son, and the sprinkling unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Then he says, grace unto you. Those of you who have been called of God, through the foreknowledge of God and, and sanctified of the Spirit under the obedience of the sprinkling of God. Grace, and he says this, this is the order. The order is perfect. 
grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Folks, you're not going to have any peace in this world unless God is gracious to you. And he's only gracious to his elect. You say, well, now, wait a minute, John. You can't say that. Look, look at the, look at the, uh, he blessed, look how he blessed Ishmael. Did you know he blessed Ishmael? You know, Ishmael's mom came and, and cried unto the Lord, they're going to hate my son. They're, they're, they're going to they're gonna treat him badly. And the Lord said, no, I'll bless him. Go on out into the world. And he did. As far as this world is concerned, I had this conversation once before. Is it a blessing to have mountains named after you? To have a whole nation raised up under your name and to have it all destroyed and spend eternity in hell? Is that a blessing? I don't think so. Blessings. Heavenly blessings come to God's people through his son, the Lord Jesus, and through him alone. Look at that in Ephesians chapter three, 1, verse 3. Chosen. I want to look at a couple of places where it talks about the chosen. Turn over to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, back in the Old Testament. I purposely went back there and looked these up in the Old Testament because I want you to see that even the Old Testament talks about these things of election and chosen. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, we read in verse 6, Deuteronomy 7, verse 6, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Another one if you want to. Let's turn over to Psalms 89. Psalms 89. Look at verse 3. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant. You know what the word predestined means? Predetermined. It means chosen. Predetermined. I'll skip that for a moment. Let's just let's just go right to where he says, my people. He makes a distinction between those of the world and his people over in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And in verse 16 we read these words, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Back in our text. Elect. Chosen of God. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Blessed, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. How? How do we have, how have we been begotten unto a lively hope? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Paul was absolutely right. When he said, I wish to know nothing of you, save Christ and him crucified, it was so, it was because that's where the gospel is. That's where the saving gospel is. It's in the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. That's what that's telling us right there. We were begotten unto a lively hope by the resurrection. You see, death could not hold the Lord Jesus. He's the Lord of all things. He's the Lord of life. He's the Lord of death. He's the Lord of the world. He's Lord of Satan. He's Lord of all things. And God the Father chose us in his Son. God the Spirit sanctified us in his Son. And God the Son justified us when he obeyed the Father's will, even to the sprinkling of his blood, even unto the death of the cross. Our hope is not in something made with the hands of men or by the will of man. We have no confidence in this flesh. Our Lord says in Romans 9.16, which I've already quoted once, but I'll read it again. So then it is not of him that willeth. It's not your free will. It's not, nor is it of him that runneth. It's not the works that you do, but of God that showeth mercy. He says in Romans 9, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And the world hates that. And you and I hated it at one time. But now that's where our hope is. Our hope is not in something we've done. When you talk to people who have come out of a different religion, Steve Doyle came out of Catholicism. Lamar and Carol came out of Mormonism. Mike and Shirley came out of Seventh-day Adventists. Those of us who didn't come out of any of those other religions, we, we never really believed we were doing anything wrong. We never believed we deserved the wrath of God. But we, we didn't have that luxury that, or, or that, that uh, I, don't know if I, I don't know if that, that was probably the wrong word for me to use. We didn't have that uh, uh, knowledge of coming out of something. And they'll tell you, they'll tell you, I had hope in what I was doing. Mike had hope in the fact that he was going door to door, knocking on doors, making disciples. That man over in the Philippines that I spoke to you about last week, I got another letter from him. It was all about making disciples. It had nothing to do with what the Lord has done for him. That's where their hope is. When somebody says to you, I decide, I, I, you know, I just, I had been through this, I've done this, and you know, the day came, I just, I got up, I decided I, I got to change my life, I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to follow God. I made a decision to get saved. That's where their hope is. People put hope in getting into a pool of water and somebody dunking them. My sister puts hope that her children, her homosexual children, are saved because they got baptized. you and I would be putting our hope in the same kind of baloney as that if it wasn't for the grace of God. 
You see, folks, it always comes down to that. It always comes down to that. We're saved by grace. And because of that, we've been given a lively hope. Hope in the one who is living, sitting on his throne right now, making intercession for us. When I get up and a thought or an action comes out of this fool that stands before you, it don't take long for me to open my mouth and say something wrong. But when I do, my Lord's already got it worked out. He says, I paid the price already for John. My blood had been shed for John, and now that I have put away all his sin. And this is what he's saying about each and every one of his people. If you belong to him, this is where your hope is at. It's in him. It's in him and him alone. Salvation is of the Lord. That's what Jonah had to learn. He had to, he had to die. He had to be swallowed up by the big fish, and then he had to be delivered out onto the dry land. To know that salvation is of the Lord. What a wonderful thing for us to... When he says, take my yoke upon you, you folks who are heavy laden and working so hard, take my yoke because my yoke is easy. Can it not get any easier than that? Trusting in him? Having a hope in him? You know what hope is, right? That's something you can't see. can't see it yet. We can see through a glass darkly that, that picture that God has given us through the preaching of his word. We can see through a glass darkly the, 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 the streets of gold on the other side of the Jordan. And the peace that God gives his people knowing that he has put all our sin away that we might be with him there forever. Folks, our Savior lives. Look at verse 3 again with me. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for us. Our Christ arose from the grave. Death could not hold him. He holds the keys to death and hell. And he arose a victor over death. Our Savior lives. He's the Son of the living God. We have a lively hope. A hope in him because he arose from the dead and he sits on his throne right now ruling over everything. That's our hope. That's the difference between the people of God and the world that is left to its own imagination. Our God rules. He rules all things, including my will. Everything about me. When he says to John, when he speaks to John and he says, go, I'm going to go. He's sovereign in every detail. Even the details that regard the sons of Esau. Did you know that? There's two types of people. There's sons and daughters of Esau and there's sons and daughters of Jacob. 
Jacob have I loved. That's the sons and daughters of Jacob. And the sons and daughters of Esau are the ones that he's hated. Look at verse 4. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. And then verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith under salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. A lively hope. Our hope is in the one who sits on his throne right now. Who keeps us. Does he keep us by what we do? Are we kept by showing up for church on Sunday mornings? Are we kept by feeding the coffer and keeping the lights turned on? Are we kept by feeding the poor? Are we kept by witnessing? No. What's it say there? Look at that again. Who are kept by the power of God through what? Through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Folks, faith isn't going to save you. Grace saved you. God's grace. Many, many go to church every Sunday, do all the things I listed a moment ago, and say, see how faithful I am? I know I'm saved for how faithful I am. God's people say, I want to be faithful. I want to be more. Because what I am right now is not enough. Thank God we're saved by grace, not by faith. You're not going to be saved without faith. You have to believe. But you have to believe in him and what he's done. That's our hope. Him and what he's done. Amen. If your faith, if your hope has been put in him by the Lord Jesus, if he has given you faith, the gift of faith, and given you a lively hope in him, you can sing this song from the heart. It is well with my soul.